Welcome to the Master of None or One podcast, or as we've abbreviated it, Master of Podcast. Did he just say they are the masters of podcasting? Nope, but it sure sounds like it. The naming is intentional. This is a podcast to educate us through people's life experiences. And as we've had these conversations, it has shown us not everything is always as it seems or is perceived. The premise of this podcast was taken from the common phrase, a jack of all trades, but master of none, but better than the master of one. Join us as we talk with different people about their life journey and how they became what they are or may seem to be. Thanks for listening. So here's the funny thing is we don't know what to call this podcast yet because calling it the master of one or the master of none is way too long, but we were going to shorten it, shorten it to master of podcast, but then it sounds like we're saying we're the masters of podcasting and that's not what we're saying. Welcome to uh, the podcast recording. This is actually our inaugural recording, but the funny thing is, is it won't be the first one you hear because uh, like this guest told me, the only person that would listen would be his mom and mine. So we want to welcome Emil Freeman uh, to the podcast with uh, with a group of us. But it's one of those things where we want to highlight people that may not also be known as masters. But I actually do consider Emil a master, whether he does or not, because I know he doesn't. Uh, but he's just one of those people that everyone should know. And I've personally gleaned a lot of knowledge and wisdom from as we've worked together on different projects and different things, as well as I've kind of just considered him a a brother in the fight of, we just have a lot of similar mindsets and personality traits and that kind of thing that I just have enjoyed the conversation. So uh, joining us today is Emil. So Emil, anything you want to say after hearing all of that? No, I just, I don't know if you could hear my massive eye rolls. (laughs) (laughs) I can appreciate that. Um, So with the premise of the podcast being the, the phrase jack of all trades, master of none, but then what most people don't know is that the rest of that phrase is better than master of one. I guess the first question that we would have is, would you consider yourself a master of one thing or a master of nothing? Like like I tell people, I feel like I'm good at a, bu- a bunch of things, but I'm not great at one thing. Where, where do you feel like you lie in that spectrum? Yeah, I mean, definitely not master of any particular skill. Uh, I'm good at a few things. I More than skill, I trust myself in a few things. Okay. You know what I mean? I trust my taste. I trust yeah. my instincts. I trust my just sense of space and mm. design. And yeah. I'm not a designer by any trade, but mm. if I look at something and go, that looks wrong, yeah. that looks right. So I trust that. But I don't think that makes you a master, does it? Yeah. I actually like that definition though, because I've actually, I've never thought of it that way of just trusting yourself in it versus skill. Because even like a conversation I had with Callum was, I was talking about smart and Callum said to me, he was like, well, actually, I would probably more so define it as wise instead of like how smart someone is. It's like how much wisdom they have to carry, which again, that's kind mm. of a definition I never would have thought of. All right. So give us a little bit about yourself, because um, if you don't know, I don't pre-interview because um, no. I want it to be fresh. Because so I, I can't have a I can't have a second conversation and make it sound interesting. Um, so who are you? Where have you come from? Where have you gone? Um, you, this is going to be pulling teeth. But, um, <laughs> so where are you from originally? Originally from Australia, moved to London when I was 18. We're in Australia because that's a big island. It is, but everyone lives on the edges. So, <laughs> uh, is, this a, is that a philosophical statement? No, it's a okay. geographical <laughs> statement. <Okay. laughs> We're in Australia. Uh, Byron Bay, well, sorry, this is the joke, is I tell people I'm from Byron Bay and then they know Byron Bay. So I go, well, it's actually not Byron Bay. And they go, oh, where? And so I say, inland a bit and they go Lismore I'm like kind of keep going and you end up in this tiny little redneck town called Casino oh. and I say redneck with if and like my mum's listening to this <laughs> 50% of the listening <laughs> audience uh, I say redneck with total love and affection okay yeah, I realise where I came from yeah, yeah. semi proud of it uh, so yeah I came from a small town there and then but definitely didn't fit in hmm. Not in a bad way, but just knew I wasn't going to stick around there. So I moved to London. Okay. London in 18. Was that because of you or your parents? It was an escape. It was just a jailbreak. And then you'd figure, it was just going to be a holiday. Yeah. And then I stayed. Hmm. And then I stayed longer. Are you legally allowed to be here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, so the whole Brexit thing, right? (laughs) No, I have been, I'm still 15 years later on a visa. Really? Because I... I'm just the least smart person you've ever met <laughs> in terms of um, longevity and thinking. So I I was on the last hurdle of my spouse visa, so I got married to a Scottish woman. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, got the spouse visa, but then I was on like the, you go through all these hurdles over mm. five years or whatever. I was on the last hurdle of it and then 
we were kind of young and reckless, decided to move to Berlin and we decided not to renew my British visa because we were like, well, there's all these laws about living in Europe with a European national. And yeah, yeah. So we just let it run out and then all the laws kind of changed quite a bit while we were gone. Every, you know, UK became a little bit more of a mm. crazy place. So it was really tough to get back in. Okay. And but so I just had to go through the whole visa process all over again. So now I'm finally back to where. Okay. <laughs> did the whole thing twice. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so I'm allowed to be here. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then, um, what do? Because obviously you said you wouldn't be a master of one thing. So mm-hmm. what are the different things that you're actually involved in? Whether it's like this is what I'm paid to do versus like these are hobbies that I'm a part of. Uh, I mean, yeah, probably the simplest. Thing would just be creative direction, creative director. But what does that mean? Exactly. <laughs> everyone is a creative director, I guess, in a sense yeah. these days. I'm the creative director of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you've got a Pinterest page. You know. yeah. <laughs> so you have to unpack it a bit. And my background is in like mostly mo- moving image. Okay. Whether that's, you know, started in more traditional filmmaking and yeah. animation and motion graphics and design. And then just got broader and broader. Uh, so that's my specialist background, I guess. But yeah. then I just kind of like to have a hand in every pie. So creative direction, I guess, is um, on behalf of someone else, mm. you will kind of carry through a, a holistic approach to something and kind of factor in all the design, lighting, video, staging, whatever. Yeah. Um, choreography. Mm. Who knows? You dance? I do. <laughs> Legitimately? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... And then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Is no, that no, right? no, I... Obviously, you have to somehow interface with people because you, you end up working with a lot of specialists yeah, as yeah. a creative director. Yeah. So, yeah, there has to be a certain level of confidence where you might come to an argument about dance with a choreographer who knows what they're talking about <laughs> yeah. and you certainly don't. Yeah. But you still have to back yourself and goes back to that trust and mm. like, no, I, I know what I want and that's not it. Yeah. Obviously, I can't tell you why. Yeah. Because yeah. it's some like pivot, pivot, step, <laughs> twist or whatever. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Yeah. yeah. But, but I'll still be I'll able still to say, well, it just say, doesn't feel right. So, yeah. And then you get into a kind of collaborative discussion yeah. of why and how. I would wonder if that's going to be a growing, growing theme. Because like when you say that, it reminds me of like the Steve Jobs of his thing of saying like he played the people. That mm. um, I would wonder if it does end up being that usually the ones that aren't the master of one thing do end up working with a lot of people that are the masters of one thing. Like if they are a specialist, like that's how that ends up being. Because I mean, that's and that would be my mind would be the same thing of I don't actually consider myself like really good at one thing. I can dabble in a lot of things, but I do end up usually talking to the people that are like, this is my specialty. Okay, how do I get there? Um, yeah, I guess it. Like, because I think about it and I get, I'll contradict myself constantly on this. <laughs> but I guess if at the end of the day, if you can remove ego, mm. you can work with specialists yeah. and respect what they bring and not, but then also trust yourself when you know, like that whole, it's wrong, right? Yeah. Like, even though it's t- maybe technically wrong or it's, mm. I don't know, whatever the, the craft is. But right. Sometimes it just, it's right because it's right for mm. you. And so I think. The only place where that comes unstuck is when there's ego involved. Yeah. When you're doing it because you're the man mm. or the woman. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. So, yeah, I guess because I'll go around the houses on this, like whether it should be creative, say in this world, creative and production yeah. kind of can be at odds or they can be very hierarchical. Like mm. as in creative's the horse and production's the cart. And yeah, yeah. Shouldn't be ever swapped. Yeah. Then I feel like I'm moving away from such a kind of binary. Yeah. I, yeah, if you'd asked me like a couple of years ago, I would have said, no, you know, creative starts it and then, you know, production is there to execute it. Mm. But I, I don't know if I believe that in such a black and white way anymore. Yeah. What experiences brought you to yeah. that? A couple of, you know, like in a practical sense, things just not um, happening the way mm. you saw them. Yeah. And in hindsight, realizing it was actually because you were being unrealistic or mm. you had your head in the clouds with a piece of creative. Yeah. Because I mean... <laughs> If creativity is just problem solving yeah, yeah. and production or, you know, is just solution making or giving or yeah. execution or whatever, you could say that, you could really zoom out and say that's two camps that, you know, mm. you have this 
hierarchy that kind of comes from the theatre world, I guess. Yeah. Where you'd like deify the playwright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone else served yeah. the script. Mm-hmm. But these days, like you, you're problem solving and kind of solution making constantly in dialogue mm-hmm. at every step of the process. Yeah. So you're doing both in a cycle. Like you constantly come out with things like, oh, that's bad. And then here's a, I need to solve the problem. Then here's a way to solve it. And I kind of like it when they're intertwined and a bit messy. Yeah. Rather than this very like hierarchical. Yeah way of doing it and that would be my big thing is i always call it the collaborative art uh, it takes everybody working together yeah it's not the this is my thing this is mm-hmm. my thing it is the whole like shared pot of the mosaic of let's kind of work it in together it's it's not communism though in yeah a sense. no it, yeah, yeah it's still i think you watch these movies that were made by a committee oh, or whatever yeah. <laughs> or you uh, and if there's not a visionary kind of thrust mm. whether that's one person or Mm. So, you know, collaboration of a tight knit group of people who all are on the exact same wavelength. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you sense the flab mm-hmm. of it when it's trying to say too many things or trying to be mm-hmm. too many yeah. things. So I still think you need a single mind, whether that's one person or mm. group of people. You need a single mind, like making sure everything mm. is there for a reason. Yeah, or so I don't know, like that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely say I'd say when when people have uh, an ego about what they do it's so much more difficult to collaborate with a, a group of people when everybody's so fixed on the one thing that they do and you mm. just can't go anywhere and both parties get frustrated and then it just ends up in a mm. big crash. Yeah, and I guess it's probably different for everyone as well because some people can rest a lot more on their personality, mm. like they're big personalities and they will gather people in a way yeah. that I just will never do. Yeah. So I would rather gather people around an idea yeah, mm. and then I can just kind of sit there with my arms crossed and like, go, like suggest things yeah. and, and it's done with the authority of the idea mm-hmm. rather than the authority of my personality or my charisma or yeah. something like that. But whereas, you know, equally somebody who's got a lot of that personality and can just do that, then that's mm. equally right for them, I guess. Yeah. Right. But. Okay. So then what drove you into what you're currently doing? Cause I think that's kind of the big question of like, Cause some people go into something going like, I mean, my dad recommended some mm. different things. Like what actually got you interested and in, down the path of where you're at in what you're doing? I mean, specifically, um, I can figure that out, but I mean, generally there's, there's a lot of things I'm not going to do. Mm. So the creative road was fairly obvious. Like yeah. I was never going to be a, like a linebacker or whatever you call it. <laughs> Fair enough. Could have been a good wide receiver. Yeah. I mean, I tried it. I tried. I was going to be a chef. Oh, really? And I'm similar to what you were saying. Like, I just sick of getting pans thrown at your head. And um, (laughs) I like cooking, so I didn't want to hate cooking. Yeah. yeah. Um, So I just do that for fun now. Yeah. Yeah. What got you into doing any motion image of anything? Like, what actually Um, led to that? Just hanging out with the right people. Like, I think it's like creativity. It's like, I don't know, it's like having a being a leper or something you just have to hang around other lepers yeah and so they're doing things and you're like oh. and then cure that's when specifically where i'm at is just the road of curiosity mm. it's like oh so i learn some guys like making a poster for his band so I, I learned photoshop okay you know and then um then i somebody yeah downloads me a crack version of final cut and so we made a you know, we just filmed ourselves and then made a stupid video. Mm. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, okay, make videos now. And yeah. it's mm. like Photoshop on a timeline. Mm. <laughs> and then, yeah, then you learn after, you, you're like, after effects, what the hell? <laughs> like, yeah. I can move things around. Like, it's, you, it's that age. Well, I don't know if it's an age thing. Hopefully it's not an age thing, but I do remember just being like, oh my God, I had no idea. Mm. Yeah. Now it's, you, you kind of try and not be jaded. It's like, oh, another program, another whatever. Yeah. Like I still try and get that wonderment mm. whenever I can. But um, so I guess that would be the question is how do you keep it fresh? How do you keep it to where it's not the mundane, the the whole familiarity breeds contempt, all of that? Like what have you like what are some practical ways you try to keep it in a, a fresh ice like line of sight mm. kind of thing? It's tough because I'm definitely in a place where it's an it's a tightrope of like Yeah. London, you gotta earn money, you gotta take the jobs and then, but equally I just follow my nose in terms of like, if I'm working with people that are inspiring, I'll, I'll prioritize working with those people Mm. in a way. Like, cause these days I'm not, 
not that excited about programs as I used to be. So yep. I'm more excited about people. Hmm. And so... What do you mean by that? Well, so like what, I'm working what, 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 with people that are just like really exciting. I'm like they're doing okay. stuff yeah. and they have an approach to working that's super exciting. I just want to be around it. Mm. And it's maybe not as financially rewarding or, yeah. you know, it can be a bit more taxing time-wise, but I just want to be around yeah. that. And mm. so I'll take more projects with those people and it'll... Yeah. That's, that just gets me right jazzed up and I guess, yeah, because that's just, you know, chasing that curiosity, chasing mm. your instincts of this is fun, let's keep doing this. Yeah. I don't know. I've never taken it. I'm not grown up, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can't really say I'm, I'm too strategic about it. Yeah. Just, it's like this is fun, let's keep doing this. Yeah. So. so people usually end up defining themselves by things that they do, which can then be part of the ego problem or the pride issue of, mm. well, this is what I do. This is who I am. Do you find that you define yourself by the things you do or how do you actually define yourself? I mean, personally, no. Yeah. I don't think so. But then ha- is there a time where you have? Absolutely. I mean, well, here's the tightrope is um, for work. It's mm. really beneficial to give you, um, for people to be able to define you and pigeonhole you. Yeah. yeah. Because, like I th- think about it practically, um, you know, if I hire a plumber, mm. I want to know that they're a plumber, yeah, <laughs> not <laughs> pipe consultant, <laughs> you know, architect, um, you know, in this kind of, and they have this like two-page blurb about you know wh- how they commune with pipes, and but they don't just do pipes. I just want a plumber do my pipes. <laughs> so from a work point of view, yeah. it's it's actually beneficial to pigeonhole yourself yeah. and and say here's what I do, here's what I can do for you. But it, it always feels wrong to me. Yeah. Because I hate it. Yeah. I love um, keeping the borders pretty blurry and yeah. open. That's my cognitive dissonance, my duality yeah. of like, yeah. it is beneficial. Like, I don't know, lighting, if, especially even in the hierarchy of like a job role. If you're a, say, lighting programmer, mm. um, but you want to be a lighting designer, mm. it's that weird. Um, you go through this kind of gauntlet of making an enemy of, the, well, making a competitor of the people that will hire you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So same with like DOPs to a director. Yeah, so yeah. A lot of DOPs want to be a director. Yeah. Or a lot of cameramen want to be a DOP. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's you. People want to just pigeonhole you. Yeah. And that makes sense for a capitalist kind of financial. Yeah. Thing. So. It does suck because I don't think creative people naturally do that. Yeah. I think they like, they're just curious people. Yeah. And, but, you know, so such then, is capitalism. <laughs> do you know the tangible way that you were able to move away from defining yourself by what you were doing to just being just a meal? Um, interests, I guess. Yeah. And, I mean, at one level, just interests, being an interesting person, have interests. Mm. Because if you're just talking about, like I have friends that just talk about work. Yeah. And it, after 20 minutes, you're like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of it's interesting. It's what we all like to do. Yeah, so, yeah. But after about 20 minutes, you're like, okay, got any other interests? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I've, yeah. I try and have a lot of interests mm-hmm. and things like that. How do you uh, make time for that? Good question. Uh, I... Don't. <laughs> no, I get. I mean, you just you end up prioritizing yeah. things either well or badly. Sometimes mm. I badly prioritize like my family. Mm. They might miss out, um, or my social life, mm. or um, or just doing things like sometimes. I live in London and I never see London. Mm. Like I don't leave my borough because <laughs> I on a weekend I just want to bake bread and make pickles and. All that oh, kind of really? weird stuff. Yeah. Can we come over? <laughs> yeah. I'll come over for bread and pickles. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I just find it quite relaxing making a sauce for six hours, you know. Like, that's fun. Just sitting That's over what Matt does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of people who don't do that would, you know, go to the V&A on a weekend or whatever. Mm. They'd enlarge themselves that way. I just, yeah. I kind of go inwards on yeah. the weekends rather than outwards. <laughs> would you say you're more of an introvert or an extrovert? Um, or both? I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, that's, again, I'm, I'll I'll throw off any binary kind yeah, of things. Yeah. But for the sake of answering, I'm probably an introvert. 
mm. in that I just love my own yeah. space. Yeah. But I can masquerade pretty well as an extrovert yeah, yeah. in the right scenario. And that, I would be the same. Because mm-hmm. I would also wonder if there's correlations between the two ideas of the specialists mm-hmm. and the yeah. mini mm-hmm. and the introvert and the extrovert and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I can... At a, you know, the right party, mm. I'll have the lampshade on my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can dig that. Yeah. But, you know, I definitely won't be. I hate the spotlight, but I love stealing the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I sense. hate being given the spotlight. Yeah, okay. How old are you? 34 in January. 34. So have you, do you feel like you've had a season yet where it has been like the redefining, the reshifting, the restructuring, kind of like that that stage where you go, this is who I thought I was, but this is who I really am. Have you had a season like that yet? Mm, probably. Yeah. I mean, definitely. Maybe not in a crisis kind of way, mm. but in like a, in a grown up, like having kids. Yeah. It's probably a big one. Cause How old are your kids? Seven and four. Okay. So yeah, we kind of moved to Berlin on a whim to be young and free and then got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, if Coco's listening to this in the future, it wasn't an accident. <laughs> uh, although it totally was, but I mean, we'll start. edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so that that changes you from being like just being carried by the wind to being yeah. like, okay, what? Maybe things won't always. Mm. You just start to doubt creeps in. Yeah. In maybe a constructive way, but also in a harmful way. Yeah. It just makes you go, well, actually, maybe everything won't always work out. Mm. Whereas before that, I, that's probably a main trait of my characteristic, that it will be fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you have kids, when it's just you and maybe a partner, mm. that's fine. Yeah. Um, like how bad can it really get? Mm. But I guess when you have kids, you like you yeah. just want it to be always good. Yeah, yeah. So you start to change your priority. Your priorities feel, I guess, a little more alien from your personal Mm. choices yeah yeah. because you just make priorities things are put on you rather than you know but so that probably was one where i was like well actually what what do i want to you know 50 years i'm not going to be a cool young kid with like cool ideas and make you a cool video man um (laughs) so i just need to start to think actually what's the longevity in Mm. this what's Mm. is there a career in this and all the stuff i hate i hate Mm. but it is where art and commerce just start to yeah. Um, so, how have you managed that tension of going? I need to provide, but I want to do what I want to do. Is uh, there ever? I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Because I was gonna say I don't think it can ever be. I don't think you ever resolve it. Yeah. To be honest, if you really love what you do, because yeah. I mean, <coughs> no, some people really resolve it because they just love, like they love doing a certain thing, and people pay them for that, mm. and they will just do it till the cows come home. Yeah. I get bored very easily. Mm. Well, usually, no, I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of the time I'm like, can somebody just hire me to do the thing that I love to do? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you're sitting there like a cup waiting to be filled with some coffee. Whereas yeah, yeah. I think it's really clever these days because we're all desktop publishers now mm. and we're all yeah. got the tools to do what mm. we should be doing a lot more manufacturing our own art. Mm. And that's a big challenge for me. It's not just waiting around to be, um, you know, incentivized by money or yeah. or a project yeah. um, to to figure out how to fill my own cup. Yeah, which is hard in production, I think, because yeah. nobody's got a bunch of truss lying around and <laughs> some lights and yeah. a video screen. But that's just lazy thinking, I guess. I can, mm. I can I'm still figuring it out, but yeah. I'm trying to think what's what's the thing I'd do if I had a billion pounds mm. in the bank. Yeah, what, what is the thing? I think I'd probably commission I'd pro- I'd do a lot of the stuff I'm still doing. Yeah, cool. But I'd definitely be more, more picky. Yeah. And more like the the financial entanglements yeah. would not be there. So you wouldn't be worried about upsetting people as mm. much or you know, towing the line in terms of what they want. Yeah. You push a lot more of what you want. Yeah, that makes um, sense. I guess another thing I thought of while you were saying that was do you think the fact that you can get bored easily and like doing a lot of different things has led to you being like the master of none of them and kind of dabbling in a lot of different areas mm. because you would get too bored to kind of just burrow down into one specialty per se. 
Yeah, I mean, that's I love boredom. Yeah. Um, in terms of it just it ends up taking you places. So. Yeah. Which, you know, my kids are always sound I'm bored. And I'm like, I sound like just an old man yelling in a cloud, you know. Like just, <laughs> it's fine to be bored. Um, <laughs> but I do think, I mean. Because how have you steered that boredom? Like when it is, because I, I would, I grew up this, my mom would tell you every time she asked me, I always said I was bored. Mm. Um, but I then steered that into learning guitar, learn all the different things that I yeah, do now. Like I, how have you, is, is your steering that boredom into the cooking and baking and all of that kind of stuff or yeah, I just I go on YouTube rabbit holes, mm. learning. <laughs> like that's Earth. where all yeah, no. just don't go there. <laughs> all the all the dark, all the conspiracy trails. I'm going down the hall. Because um, I think that's part of it is where I guess that line of boredom is the ones that don't do anything with it then teeter into the laziness. Whereas the ones well, that yeah, do I mean something that's the thing it, is it's it's your mind or your body or whatever putting its hand up saying you know there's it's a not a warning but it's like yeah. it's an an alert beacon yeah and you can either satiate it with something really superficial mm. or something or you can it, you can dig deeper and open the manual and kind yeah. of go oh something's wrong um you know it's it's if you're bored it's for a reason i think yeah. what i guess and i'm about to just um vomit in my mouth because i hate it when people talk about you know, kids these days, but oh, like yeah. with the whole social media, you can satiate your boredom pretty easily. Okay. Or social media, wherever it is. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. so many things we can just get that little dopamine hit and yeah. stuff. And I do it the same. Hmm. So boredom is fewer and further between, I guess. Yeah. So I, it is harder to, the, the, the beacon is kind of dimmed of somewhat. Mm. So I'm, I'm trying to be better at, like when that beacon goes off going, okay, why am I bored? Yeah. Is it just because I'm, you know, I'm just, I've been at this too long or yeah. is it a legitimate boredom? Is it, you know, should it be, should I not be doing this? Should yeah. I be doing something else? Or Is there anything you do intentionally to self-assess mm-hmm. or to be self-aware of actually recognizing the, the state that you're in? Like, um, I mean, if you could almost relabel boredom as contemplation mm. or, like if you relabel it that with this whole new kind of mindfulness yeah. push of stuff, um, I think that's the only way you can kind of self-assess is to take the time to yeah. self-assess. Okay. Because there's no, well, there maybe is a shortcut. I don't mm. know if there's like a cheat sheet for why um, yeah. why you're feeling the way you are, but it's more or less mm. I'm bored, okay, why? And then mm. you just go through the layers of, well, maybe I'm just bored because... I'm annoyed at my wife and I'm in a bad <laughs> mood and I just don't feel like doing this right now and I'll come yeah. back to it. And I think that's clever, you know, mm. don't always just... But then other times, no, I just need to push through. Yeah. You know, I'm just bored because I'm lazy or um, mm. I've got bad self-discipline yeah. and I just need to push through and then I'll be happy on the other side. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's illegitimate and legitimate boredom. Yeah. In the field that you're in, do you see any evolving any changes anything on the horizon or is there things that you're like man i wish it could like if i if i could help propel it this way mm. this is what i would do all probably all of the above in a way mm. like i think that kind of analogy of keeping one foot on the shore and one foot on an iceberg and you kind of <laughs> hopefully you don't land in splits but like <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i'll probably at this stage of my life it could change like mm. i'll keep trying these new ventures and yeah. but keep a foot in things that feel safe not safe but i feel like home yeah cuz like the main thrust uh, main background is like show production yeah. stuff but then i'm starting to embrace more these these non format kind of weirder kind of jobs where mm. um there's no protocol yeah. there's no like oh you know this is the way we do this yeah cuz show production has a pretty like format kind of base way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm enjoying these jobs where there is no format. You throw it all out the window and you're like, well, you know, we're not buying an 8,000 pound light. We're buying a 40 pound light and then writing some code to make it do something interesting or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, like you're trying to do that kind of thing. Um, But I still want to play with the 8,000 pound light and do that because that feels like that's still fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any jumping ship. Like it's just 
starting to broaden and try other things that interest me. And yeah. that's just in that the that world. Yeah. And then outside of that world, more pickles, more bread, more <laughs> more uh, exciting things like that. I don't yeah. know. I think I could see myself having a farm and yeah. being that dude. <laughs> okay. with, with that, how do you battle like the innovation, creativity kind of thing? Because like if you've mm-hmm. got a Again, a forty-pound light. Mm. That's suddenly creativity. Like, how can you push that forwards? But then eight thousands. I don't know. It seems more innovation. Yeah, I mean, it is. You've got to be clever. I think, and this is just like I haven't got that much experience, but I think experience probably ends up teaching you when you need the eight thousand-pound light and when you need when you can get away with the forty-pound light. And Mm. it's all, I think. hate being a professional but (laughs) like no I mean there's this classic Milton Glasser quote about um, good is the enemy of great and Mm. he talks about he doesn't want to be defined as a professional because a professional's job is about minimising risk Mm. and I think at the end of the day if you are going to wear the professional badge like you do it for a job and you expect to get paid a certain amount of money then you are minimising risk for whoever's putting down that cash Mm. so I think if you went on, you know, touring, it's such a hectic mm. thing. It's such a, like, it's a circus of just carnival folk packing up trucks and, <laughs> you know, just, it's yeah. just mayhem. So if you went in there with like, here's my um, bespoke, you know, <laughs> light with, uh, oh no, by the way, it needs a special plug. And uh, <laughs> it's like, no, it just needs to work day in, day out. Yeah. Um, so I think that's when you are just clever. Mm. When, but then, you know, certain things, if you've got the time and the space to go, no, well, let's take some risks here and here. Mm. And then you, and you've got enough experience of how to mitigate that risk. Mm. And I, I guess that's just experience that eventually teaches you yeah. when you can innovate and when you just need to do what works yeah. and deliver. Yeah. So. Which, so one of the things I like that you've talked about that we talk about is the whole, you don't like the binary of the O and one or the black and white. Yeah. Cause I'm, I live in the same, I call it, I like living in the gray space of, cause I, I just like to hit the whole spectrum, but cause that leads into the question of what you're even just talking about. Cause one of the things I always end up talking about, is it the tools or the person? And it, it's always because where I come from is I've done some really good stuff with some really bad equipment but it's because I took the time to figure it Mm. out and to make it do the best it could out of that. And then when I did get all the really nice equipment, I was like, well, this is great, but now I'm missing this factor. And it's like also that I also had to grow with it of how do you find that balance of the tools and the person of, because obviously we could give everybody the best tools ever, but if you don't know how to use it and if you're not at the skill base Mm. or experience base, it doesn't matter what Mm. we give you. Where do you find that tension of tools and people? Yeah, I mean... Where do I find it? I, I totally know what you mean. I mean, it's just tale as old as time. Like, mm. You know, celebrated indie director directs a franchise film and it sucks. Yeah. Or, and you, nobody <laughs> knows why. Like he got given a hundred million. Yeah. Same with like, you know, we would have done these shows when we were like teenagers and it was the best thing ever. And then mm. I think some of that is nostalgia. Mm. A little, like I think you could probably break it down a little bit. It's nostalgia in that it, we remember it better than it was. Yeah. Just like some of your first films, you maybe yeah. remember remember slightly more kindly yeah. than you should. Yeah, um, that's just a portion. I think um, you get to know yourself. I mm. think you should always be trying to know yourself better, mm. and um, you get the things that lock down that you know you need to deliver. Mm. What you when delivers such a cold word, but like. Like if you, like, you know, some of these directors who have made the switch, they've bought with them their DOP or mm. they've bought with them a, a, a key producer or, you yeah. know, like even though that producer's maybe only worked with a £1 million budget now she's handling a £100 million budget. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, but then, yeah, you just get messy. You start to add in yeah. the things that will make it, you know, serve where you are contextually like yeah. um if i had done things um and it's different with each discipline so i'm thinking this through in my head as i do yeah <laughs> because say with um like say lighting i'm just thinking very specifically with production world like lighting would i'd have a very different approach to say video because mm. 
I think there's a certain amount of experience, but more or less a pixel to pixel. Yeah. Um, if the screen's 20 feet wide or if it's 100 feet wide, mm. I think there's obviously a different impact. Like yeah. you should know what that impact is of the yeah. screen. If it, But lights might have a slightly more stress placed on them if yeah. it's a, a 20 fixture rig and a, mm. a 300 fixture rig. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you might want to bring in somebody who's, you know, up to the challenge of a, yeah. a big, or say with, you know, touring, if it's a 20 truck tour and a three, tr- you know, like yeah, yeah. I think there's probably different roles where you might need the pros mm. who have experience, but then yeah. you should have, should have your trusty faithfuls as well yeah. that keep you coming from the place that yeah. is honest and good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess, I don't know. Again, it just goes back to trust. You mm. just know when you, you trust yourself and you trust certain people and you're like, no, I, I know he's only done this or she's only done that, but mm. I, I like their taste. I like their, yeah. and so you work with those people again. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, I think trust is a big part of it. Have you had moments where you have done that jump of where it's like, um, you know, like the lighting example, mm. I know you're not, I don't, you're not lighting, but like the example of like programmer to designer. Mm. Cause how is that? How do you make that jump without a, is it just a risk? Because essentially at some yeah. point you just have to say, I'm just going to start doing this. And again, it's usually always you start small and build up and just get experience mm. and all that kind of stuff. Have you ever seen it either done well or done badly of that jump from, I'm going to go from this to mm. this? Um, yeah, I've seen it. I've not seen it done catastrophically, but I think if you do it well, you um, do it with zero assumptions. Mm. Like it is all risk. Yeah. Because you're moving from a place of the known. Yeah, yeah. So say like in the case of a cameraman becoming a DOP, yeah. like you are a resource for a DOP if yeah, you're a cameraman. Yep. Yeah. So to then start calling yourself a DOP, you need to showcase why people yeah. would want you as a DOP. Yeah. And that is going out and filming your own stuff or yeah. that's going out and, you know, creating your own stuff to fill your own cup with. Yeah. You know I was saying like, so... And that's tougher in some parts of the industry than it is in others. Yeah. Like you can these days with the tech go out and film your own stuff and show people your eye and show people your skill. Mm. Um, You still, I guess, like are at the mercy of something to film. Yeah. You know, even that you're not really. You can just go and film some nice stuff. But I think if you want to film something really great, you still want to film like a show or a story or uh, something. In like production, it's as we were saying before, it's a little tougher. Yeah, but I think there's still a way that you can, you know, maybe you, you would you're a programmer for big shows, and mm. now you're a designer. You've got to go find your own small clients yeah. and build them up. And, yeah. Um, so there's yeah, just no assumptions. You can't really assume that just because you held certain part of the industry at mm. one role that it transfers. Yeah, I don't think it does. And I've done it badly in some ways and well in others like because mm. I kind of moved from animator to art director to mm. you know creative director for a certain part of a show like say the screens yeah, yeah. to then maybe some shows being a creative director for the whole thing yeah and you the, you just can't make any assumptions at any point of the mm. you just have to look after the piece that you and do that well and then if you want to grow then that's on you and mm. you kind of need to take on that risk yeah um, and so yeah I guess that's Okay. Seems about, but I don't know what the original question was now. <laughs> you, you answered it. Oh, good. All right. So I'm done with questions. So now it's to you three of anything you have left before we let them go. If someone wants to do something that you do, would you say, because there seems to be like a course for everything mm. these days, would you say that that kind of way is good or would you say the ex- the experience and the the being alongside someone is more important these days or is it a mismatch of everything? Um, I mean, there's no uh, shortcut for experience, Mm. but uh, whether or not that can be like supplemented as well and added with like proper learning, I think there's massive benefits to doing that. If that's my head doesn't go that way at all Mm. because I'm not great in a classroom. Um, even though I've, I've started just taking all these classes now. So. Oh, what kind of classes? I went on a Grand MA course. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I just nice. decide. I'm just, I get a, like a little bee in my bonnet and decide to take a course or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
So I've been going anytime I'm like, just want to try. But um, for the most part, I'm not great. And I learn slower in those classes than mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. But um, I think there's benefits to it, uh, but I don't think it, it negates experience. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you just got to be ready to do mm-hmm. both if you want to do the formal part of it as well, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it, it skips you ahead in the queue a little bit in terms of the people that you meet in that world might be, you know, jump you ahead a few mm-hmm. steps rather than just being cold out, just going straight into it, cold yeah. turkey. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess, it, yeah, knowing if it appeals to you, mm-hmm. doing the formal mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Do you, did you do the formal bit? Uh, no, not really. I didn't really learn anything. I just did self-learning mm-hmm. myself and then I just, um, well, I started off with health. I get a little bit of self-doubt around people that are formally trained mm. in that I'm like, I'm, I don't deify them, but I'm like, oh, they, they properly trained at Rada yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. So a little yeah. bit of an ego. Yeah. Behind. And like, I'll be like, uh, even though they might be the loveliest, I'll start. And same with like people who went to design school. Like mm. I mm. know design it from a craft point of view, like mm. not well, but like I could do it, but then I'll, I'll definitely defer to somebody who has proper training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it interesting though, because I have had training and it's funny mm-hmm. at the end of those three years, people go, oh, I'm now this. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, 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 you're yeah. nowhere near that yet. You haven't still been like do bruised yeah. by the... And then you go out into the industry and people are like, oh, wait, nope, this is actually real life and yeah. we have to kind of battle through it and it's yeah. not... Yeah, it's yeah I think that's the sobering part of it. The industry as a whole is pretty much based around credits like yeah. what have you done yeah. Yeah. um almost to to a fault like mm. it's like you might not even look good but on paper you've done this okay fine you can do it um so uh yeah i guess it can go both ways mm-hmm. i think end of the day yeah it's they're all tools to get yeah to get things under your belt but yeah i don't know so with in terms of directing someone, say that you're directing um, a lighting programmer to do mm. X, Y, Z, do you think that it's important to know the basis of of what they actually do before you start telling them what to do? So like an artist um, or like... I, I, guess, I guess in terms of the knowledge of um, what this light can do so like you said you went on that oh like directing say a lighting guy yeah yeah um i i am interested in it i don't think it's essential Mm -hmm. and sometimes a certain amount of naivety is kind of cool like you're Mm -hmm. like can you make them all do this and then the guy will say no and then you push and push and then eventually make it Mm -hmm. um i think sometimes that's good also it works the other way if you know a little bit about what it can do you can maybe come up with things that people hadn't thought of yeah 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 um I think no knowledge is bad, really. I think um, it's if it gets out of place, if mm-hmm. it becomes the master, not the servant. Because mm. um, yeah. mm. I think what you're trying to chase is this ephemeral kind of ephemeral. I said that really badly, sorry. Edit. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, ephemeral kind of feeling. I, that's the way I love to work is like, just feels right. Everything feels really intentional. Mm, yeah. Like it couldn't have been another way. Yeah. Mm. Like, of course that the light swung over there because it felt right. Mm-hmm. Um, even the gratuitous stuff, like stupid gratuitous, like bombastic things feel right. Like they're just the right amount of bombastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I really like. Um, so I think in terms of the original question, uh, both. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it, why not know stuff? Yeah. If it starts to get in the way of your creativity. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like if you're like, no, we must use this light specifically yes. with lighting. But, um, you know, like, um, but then equally, like, it's nice to know which lights you like mm-hmm. and what lights resonate for you. Because I just love a good BMFL, but mm. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's ones out there that are better, mm, but yeah. I like what they do. And where, where do you balance that? Because that's kind of creativity and innovation. But for me, I remember I went to music college and I kind of just have learned guitar from mm. young age, just being creative with it. So it was very just whatever I felt I did and went like that. But then I remember going to a music college and 
one of the teachers said something along the lines of like the moment you learn this you're going to lose creativity and I remember a year later literally feeling that where I was like oh I'm going to play this chord I was like no because that doesn't work I was like why doesn't it work because I've been told so and so it's a balance of the kind of the rules but then at the same time it also unlocked this technical edge of Mm. well I know that if I play this with this technically I'm kind of changing something there but I had lost that creative edge of I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm yeah. messing about. I guess if, like, the sweet spot is, like, jazz, where you get mm. so good oh, yeah. that you yeah. forget everything. Yeah, mm. yeah. Like, or, like, that, that pe- I, I'm a rubbish runner, but apparently you get to a point in running where you just forget you're running and you just could run for 100 kilometres. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess that would probably be the sweet spot where you're just so smart. <laughs> you can not be smart. Um <laughs> I guess I've not got to that place yet. Mm. I, yeah, I just chase a dream or trace an image in my head. Um, And if I know enough about certain things, I'll suggest them, but I'll say them with no authority unless I have authority on something. Like there's certain things I know I want, like I want this kind of screen or I want Mm. this kind. And then there's things I'm like, uh, whatever you guys reckon. Yeah. So, yeah. So with that, if you've got like these ideas and stuff, where does that inspiration come from? Is that like your curiosity Mm. and the things that you kind of like find out day to day and then kind of do that? Or is it more of a directive from the projects that you're working on? Uh, I mean, creativity is just a whole, (laughs) um, yeah, that figuring out where ideas come from and how they form. Mm. Oh my gosh, we could be here. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know. I know for me, some things that, ring true or like I because I guess at the end of the day it is my job so I need to come through with the goods in terms of a creative idea Um, so if I was to come up with some format for me the one that seems to work is to just soak and marinate in every possible thing like a serial killer (laughs) Um, or a detective we can take it either way um you know, just having almost like a crazy man, things up on the wall and just filling my head, that produces nothing. And then I take a shower or I'd go do something or whatever and the thing somehow seems to coalesce and drop. Not with absolute accuracy. Um, That's definitely one way. Another way is just grinding until Mm. you refine this uh, storm. Uh, I had one guy talk about it like, how there's two different types of sculpture, um, like additive and subtractive. You've heard, like, you know, like there's people who add, like stick clay and they just keep adding yeah, clay. Yeah. I forget where I heard this, but like, you know, some of the more um, abstract artists and Picasso kind of stuff where they'll, they'll add. And, and then there's like subtractive, like Michelangelo making yeah. the David, like carving away mm. what's those seem to be two that ring true for me. Like I've done, I do both. Sometimes I start with a little idea and I just add and keep throwing paint at the canvas or yeah, right. clay at the sculpture and seeing what sticks. And it's like, you know, like it's a banjo player, but what he's in a clown outfit, but he's <laughs> on a unicycle and, and seeing what just sticks. And then, then the other one's the subtractive where you're presented with this big block of something and you just need to carve away what's not right. Yeah. Um, I like that. that one feels good as well. <laughs> I'm trying to think which one I do more of. I feel like these days I do more of the subtractive because everything is so formatted in the industry. Mm-hmm. You are presented with, well, here's how we'll do it. And then you need to redefine why you shouldn't do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's just almost like a rollout of like, hey, we've already ordered all the gear. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like, um, it's so like expected that certain things will happen. That yeah. It's almost presented in a package. Yeah. So, but... I think the slightly more indie kind of approach is like here's a little idea and then that idea festers and, mm. and comes to life and um, but both. What your current like little ideas ponders, mm? it doesn't need to be like, like uh, stage-wise or anything like that. What are your, because we, we literally chat like every card, yeah. like, what are current p- I, ponders? It's one in the back of my head if, you, if I'm being really specific. <laughs> Like I disappear down these little uh, YouTube rabbit holes of guys that make like little intricate models, like <laughs> train crossings and like <laughs> like and all the things. <laughs> I'd love to make like a, like a London kind of maquette 
um, maybe like a council estate mm. or something, uh, and then project into each little room like a little story and oh, wow. I don't know why I would do this or why I would cool. dedicate the time. Yeah. Into, <laughs> but just I love model making mm-hmm. as well. I say that as somebody who doesn't do it. <laughs> I just watch a lot of YouTube videos. And I used to make train models when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah. Like, but I feel like that's something I'd love to do. Because mm. um, everything else work-wise requires somebody like an artist to go, I'm going on tour and here's some money. Yeah. yeah. Um, unless I'm, you know, start to embrace more of this art installation world where you come up with an idea and then you mm. go around like a pauper, like asking for money to make mm. it a reality. yeah. yeah. Um, or you are just so brilliant at everything that you can make it and fabricate it and do all that. So um, I guess, yeah, the thing, the self-made things are a little harder in this part of the industry because mm. it's not like writing a script and going out there and filming it. So maybe I'll do a bit more of that, maybe more music videos, more yeah. get back into that realm a bit more, but that's tough again without a production company mm. and all that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, probably one one last question for me. You were saying earlier um, about you want to hang out with more people who are interested in kind of doing something. Mm. It's kind of been one of my ponders from this year of just like I don't know how to describe it. How what what I'm exactly trying to say, but um, why do you think why do you think those people are like that? And potentially, I guess it's another question of like what's the difference between because. I, I hate the word nerdy because it's mm. actually just an intelligence and a, a pure eagerness to mm. learn something specific. And I actually find like for us, whether that be fermentation or something, yeah, yeah. like some people would class that as really nerdy, but actually it's a totally fascinating world. And I find people who dive into something as niche as that really interesting and people that, okay, there's something there. It, it might yeah. not be that I have any interest in fermentation, but it might be that no, someone totally. wants to dive into that that is like the it's totally what you said it's like being fascinated mm. is fascinating mm. like I find people like that yeah even if it's something like like I remember watching a talk by this guy talking about astrophysics which mm. I'm not really a science nut like I like some things but yeah. I'm not but I just I was knocked over by it. I just wanted to be his best mate mm. yeah <laughs> and I, just because he was so excited yeah, like yeah. it was like his all yeah um and I just love people like that. Mm. I want to be around people like that. I just yeah. get sick of all these people that are just so not fascinated yeah, and so yeah. seen it all, got the T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think they're like that? Why do you think... Well, what, what? I think cynics are idealists mm. in disguise. Like there's idealists that have been hurt and we... Right. I do it. We all do it. We mm. put up we put up guards where we've been hurt and like we develop calluses where we've been, you know... So you don't want to be disappointed so you don't get your hopes up. You don't want to be mm-hmm. let down so you don't put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't get excited about anything because, you know, you don't want to be hurt again or whatever it is. It's mm-hmm. like I think a lot of people, especially around our age or older, you just start to get more cynical unless you guard your heart in a way and yeah. stay kind of kid-like and excited and curious. Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us in this conversation. These conversations are in the upwards of two hours and have been cut down so that you don't fall asleep, as there are meditation apps that can help you with that. If you know a master in their field of expertise that you think we should talk with, feel free to send us your suggestions at contact at southsidefilms.com.